caravans across Arizona. For the first few years, our trips to the Grand Canyon were designed exclusively for graduate student instruction. Dr. Steve Austin typically drove his car to the Grand Canyon with two or three students, camped in the park and backpacked for several days. When I first participated on a trip in 1983, the size of the group had swelled to about 15 students and we needed five cars to hold all the passengers and luggage. One of the benefits of a smaller group is the close fellowship and direct communication possible among participants. Even the leader teacher, Dr. Austin, soon became known as and addressed by his first name. However, with five cars, a 10-hour trip from San Diego to the coast of, on the coast of California to the canyon in the high deserts of Arizona didn't permit much communication between Steve and the remainder of the group. Although the the not, although to novices the desert appears an unlikely teaching tool to a geologist, this wasteland is viewed as the best possible place to teach geology. The rock formations are completely exposed to view and are not covered by vegetation. To travel 10 hours without an opportunity to comment on the scenery was unacceptable to Steve, so he arranged for citizen band radios to be temporarily installs in each vehicle on the journey across the desert. CB radios. As we traveled on Interstate 8 from San Diego en route to Phoenix, Steve was able to communicate, was able to expound on the shield of granite which covered the Laguna Mountains. As we proceeded, large round boulders which dotted the chap chaparral clad foothills became prominent until as the highway began the de began the desert into the descent into the desert they were jumbled together to create a formidable barrier between the coastal environs behind and the stark desert ahead these boulders which look like they have been dumped from a giant a giant's bag of marbles scattered and piled at random give evidence, Steve pointed out, of a recent earth-altering flood. The boulders are large chunks of granite which have exfoliated the outer coverings of weathering action and become rounded, because many of them sit on the very tops of the local hills. They would not remain there for millions of years, given the frequency and intensity of the earthquakes common to the Southern California air area. They are a direct testimony to a short period of time since their formation. Steve also talked to desert talked of desert varnish and the evidence it provides for recent earth movements. Desert varnish is the dark coating which with time accumulates on rocks and boulders from particles and chemicals in the rain and air. The longer a surface is exposed to the elements, the thicker and darker the coating becomes. When driving through a recent road cut, it's easy to see the lighter surfaces where excavations and rockwork have been done. Sometimes these new surfaces, which have been exposed only, in a few, only for a few years, will appear white or light gray or red next to the darkened old, older rock nearby. Recent landslides and rock falls also appear lighter. Later we would see rock art on boulders and cliffs near 
created by Indians over the past few thousand years. This rock art is packed with a sharp rock into the desert varnish by the Anasazi and other Indian tribes of the desert southwest. Various animals like antelope and deer appear on the rocks in various shades depending on how long ago they were made. The darker the object, the longer it has existed. When we reached the main f desert floor near the Salton Sea, Steve began to talk of the Grand Canyon. The deserts throughout the southwest are relatively flat, with sharp, narrow mountain ranges poking into the sky along the horizon. It appears that the desert floor in many places is a massive is a result of massive flooding and sedimentation from past catastrophic events. Near the mountains, gigantic alluvial fans spread out on top of this flat desert floor as a result of more recent erosion and transport of sediment down smaller canyons. Steve believes that when the Grand Canyon was formed several hundred years after the flood, it was a result of catastrophic failure of a natural dam upstream from where the canyon is now located. The sudden, ripping, colossal release of about a thousand cubic miles of water sediment into the Salton Sea area re resulted. If the sediment from the carving of the canyon had been carried to the ocean through the Gulf of California slowly over millions of years, it would be observed easily near the continental boundary off the west coast of Me Mexico. However, no such alluvial fan of sediments is observed on the ocean floor in this location. Consequently, he believes the sediments were deposited in a depression where the Salton Sea and the Anza Borrego Desert are located in southeastern California and southwestern Arizona. Core drillings in these locations have found some 18,000 vertical feet of sediments which have the same mineral characteristics of those found in the Grand Canyon. Steve presented similar topics over the CB radio as the caravan traveled across Arizona on its way to the canyon. Because of the length of some of the lectures and responses by students, the radios were kept active throughout the day. It's likely that Channel 18 on the CB radio was unavailable to truckers or other users for 50 miles in either direction of our caravan as we tra traveled along. Instead of the familiar CB language heard on the radio like Have you got your ears on, Charlie? Or Keep the shiny side up? Truckers in southern Arizona were treated to terms like orogenic sink lines or, and plate tectonics. Service stations along the freeway which routinely monitor the CB network probably heard, received more information on geology than they ever wanted to hear. After traveling all day, we finally arrived at the Grand Canyon, where we set up camp in Mathra Campground. The temperature at the south rim around Easter time is at or below freezing at night. Well, this makes for cold mornings and dressing quickly. However, the groups in those days were generally students who were willing to put up with the inconvenience of camping for the benefits of inexpensive accommodations. The next year, a larger number of people many of whom were not students, wanted to go with us. For transportation, we used an old yellow school bus, which had no air conditioning, 
Naturally, that was one of the years when the temperature each afternoon exceeded 100 degrees Fahrenheit. It took us about 14 hours to reach the canyon that year, partially because of blowout of one of the rear tires with no spare on board. When we arrived about 10 p.m. after a long, hot day, we had to set up tents by headlight while supper was prepared for the entire group over a kerosene camp stove. Dave McQueen prepared a large kettle of his homemade concoction, which became known as igneous chili because of its resemblance to glowing red lava with dark chunks in it. It was a hot it was hot both to the touch and taste. For the less hardy, he also cooked up some metamorphic chili, and for the greenhorns, he had some sedimentary chili. Needless to say, the night was also punctuated with sounds and aromas of the musical fruit. I remember at least two particularly pleasant experiences of camping at Mather Campground. The first was the hot showers available to campers for $1.00. After spending a week backpacking in the canyon and then returning to Mather, the first desire is always to bathe in hot, bathe in water as hot as possible and remove the grime. Except for cold sponge baths in the shallow creeks which flow through the side canyons or dip in the 40-degree Colorado River at the bottom of the canyon, nine miles and at least a day's hike from Mather, no one takes a bath for five days. The bathhouse at Mather Campground provides a total of about two dozen, half for men and half for women, individual shower stalls, which provide water at a temperature of at least 120 degrees and a pressure that will tear the skin off your body. After taking a shower at Mather, following a week of backpacking in the canyon, I felt cleaner and fresher than at any other time in my life. This was probably due to the fact that I had shed at least two layers of skin in the high velocity flow of the shower and now exhibited a bright pink complexion free of all worldly contamination. No shower at any motel in which we've stayed on our tours compares to the showers at Mather Campground, particularly the those cold, wimpy showers in the hotels we now use in Flagstaff, Arizona. The second ex pleasant experience was wrapping myself around a large, juicy T-bone steak at the restaurant at Bright Angel Lodge near the top of Bright Angel Trail. When you survive a week of eating the equivalent of top, ram top ramen soup and hiking miles vertically and horizontally, your body craves large portions of meat and potatoes. By 1985, we had shed the discomfort of the old yellow school bus for a comfortable Greyhound bus. However, to save money for our students, we were still camping at Mather Campground. The slide into the lap of luxury was beginning to produce side effects. After taking our showers, we couldn't face one more night of top ramen before turning into our cold sleeping bags. On the spur of the moment, we decided to inquire the bus driver if he would be willing to drive us about three miles over to the Grand Canyon Village for a steak dinner. He agreed, and 30 minutes later, we found our party all seated around group tables in the Bright Angel Lodge restaurant overlooking the Grand Canyon at sunset and chowing down 16-ounce T-bone steaks. This was the genesis of a victory ba banquet we now hold at the end of each tour. I remember this setting as one of the most enjoyable experiences of my life, a beautiful view out the window, sweet fellowship inside a warm, cozy room, and some of the best food I've ever eaten. The Lord is good. For those 
who have taken a bus or a car tour of the Grand Canyon, but have not yet participated in one of the more strenuous activities such as backpacking or rafting, you'll probably never appreciate the significance of hot showers in the end, at the end of a week, or nor the victory banquet. The banquet is not simply a time of fellowship and reflection on the week, but for some it is the first stage in recovery from involuntary fasting. Please excuse some of the more ravenous guests if they initially drool and use their hands at the buffet table. We customarily call the backpackers to lead the charge to the food because we don't because if we don't, they may riot or do some, do someone mischief. We've added three components to our victory bank we haven't we didn't have in the early years, which have come to be almost as enjoyable as the good food and fellowship. We now have singing testimonies and presentation of research projects. Some of the best singing this side of heaven occurs at our victory banquets. Each of the separate groups which have been singing together in the canyon and on the bus when we all get back together for final activities, everyone is comfortable with each other and just sings his heart out to the Lord and the group. Maybe I get a little overly sentimental at the end of our tour because of the physical and emotional exertion, but I find singing at the tours to be the high point of my spiritual life each year. We also have each backpack group, the raft group and the bus group, offer a skit, testimony, or song as part of our festivities at the Victory Banquet. We've had our songs and skits about moleskins, fill my cup, Lord, and of course, doomed to the weatherman. Occasionally, a personal testimony is given which relates how an experience on the trip has changed a person's life. The aggregate of these testimonies and activities has given me great joy as I remember the part of our tours have played in people's lives. The last part of our victory banquet had been devoted to a brief presentation of research we are doing at the Grand Canyon and other places. Many of our participants in the Grand Canyon tours in recent years have helped fund the analysis of rock samples to show the discordance of radioisotope dates from different dating methods in the production of various videos. The Victory Bank, which had its start as a steak dinner following one of our early backpacking trips for graduate students, has blossomed into one of the main features of not only the Victory not only the Grand Canyon tour, but also is now concluding group activity for the Mount St. Helens tour, the Yellowstones tour, and the Israel tour, offered for the first time in 1998. It's amazing how the Lord can use a simple event to His glory. A similar development has occurred on the Grand Canyon tour as a whole. After progressing from a few cars to an old yellow school bus to a Greyhound bus, the tour typic today typically includes two or three large window touring buses with adjustable seats and a video system. Between 20 and 30 backpackers hike the canyon on each tour. About 40 rafters float the Colorado for five or six days, and a bus tour of about 50 people visits the Grand Canyon and surrounding parks. We no longer camp in Mather Campground, eat igne igneous chili, or have our skin nearly torn off at Mather Showers, but rather stay mostly in three or four star hotels. We now originate the tour in Phoenix to shorten the bus drive to the canyon and have a three-hour presentation about the Grand Canyon to get everyone oriented. On our way to the canyon, all members in the tour are treated to a large IMAX movie on the Grand Canyon. The tour now caters to the general public rather than graduate students. However, tour fees are maintained at a level which makes it possible for several graduate students to receive stipends to help cover their 
expenses. Some of the more advanced students may also be used as leaders, particularly on the backpacking groups. In such a capacity, they incur no cost to participate and may have the opportunity to collect data for their thesis research. The Grand Canyon tour has progressed from a caravan of cars across Arizona to a pro professional quality tour, which has ministered to over 2,000 people since its inception. However, the main goal of the tour was not changed, to demonstrate to those who are open to evidence of the flood as revealed at the Grand Canyon. Where before only graduate students had the opportunity, now the general public can experience the canyon.